0: Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation, basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports,
1: then it's here
0: on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation, a sea of blue,
1: your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon welcome another episode of the cats by 90 podcast brought to you by sb nations a sea of blue i'm drew brown i'm joined by aaron gershon and it's monday aaron so i'm gonna try my best to stay upbeat on this thing i'm sure everybody's been getting beat down all weekend with um the tough news of the weekend so we'll try to keep it positive man but how are you are you licking your wounds you good
0: yeah all good all good new week new game week um first road trip for the cats coming up uh there was a lot to like from that game. The ending, obviously, we'll dive into it, and not a whole lot to like about the ending. But that's the bright side. There was a lot to like from this Kentucky team and what they showed on Saturday. And you move on, and it's a long season. You still got what? That's three games. They so got nine regular season left. Plus, uh I would be shocked if he wouldn't have a bowl game either. So, lots of football to be
1: played. Yeah, I saw some national bowl projections actually went in positive favor of Kentucky after yes. their loss on Saturday, but we'll get into that. We'll break down Florida. We'll preview Mississippi state. We'll probably, we'll laugh. We'll cry. We'll hash it out. <laughs> but, um, before we do that, though, we got to do our normal segment here on Cats by 90. And, uh, Aaron, I think I've appropriately named this segment. So if, um, you haven't listening or if this is your first episode, so each time to kick us off, um, Aaron and I will both give. One thing that pissed us off this week and one thing that made us feel good. So I think I've appropriately finally named this segment, Aaron, the in my feelings segment. So, um, shout out to Drake. <laughs> you know, like he's, a, he's a Kentucky guy. Yeah. So, so That's I'll go great. first today. That's real on, good. That's real good. Uh, on in my feelings. And, um, so what pissed me off this week and I'll, I'll tie it real close to our football conversation was seeing Felipe Franks get hurt really pissed me off, man. That's t- twice in as many weeks at Kroger Field claimed you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC. So I was really bummed to see that. I mean, I've I've seen pictures, or at least of what I think to be his ankle. It's not good. He's yeah. out for the season. So that was horrible to me. That really genuinely did make me mad because, you know, I wanted Kentucky to win. And and had they won, I have even felt like, you know, it would have been an asterisk by it, you know, not to mention his professional career, which I think he had kind of planned on probably entering the NFL draft or at least trying to. And um, it looks like he'll be out about six months. So that really made me feel bad. We, you know, as Kentucky fans, we know what that, that feels like. And to see Florida go through the same thing, two quarterbacks in the SEC East, that really sucked. Um, yeah, you, you never root for injuries. I mean, I felt terrible for him. And I know he didn't have the best
0: game. And I'm guilty myself of saying it was probably worse for Kentucky that he got hurt because he was not playing great. But from all my understandings of him, he's a pretty good kid. He, you know, he's an emotional guy. He works really hard and you never, ever want to see an injury. So my thoughts are with him. And uh luckily for them, they have a really good backup,
1: kind of like how UK does, but um obviously tough blow there. Yeah. And I'll say this last thing about Frank Sousa. I was uh, on the field watching Florida warm up on Saturday. And first of all, <laughs> the paramount difference between EMU and Toledo, kind of warming up in Florida. I mean, just every guy out on their route or covering right. whatever drill they were going through. I mean, the kid looked five star all world. So that was kind of my opinion to me. And then as far as Frank's goes, that kid has a cannon. Yeah. I mean, I know Florida fans can kind of uh, be displeased with him sometimes, but man, that kid, that dude can really chuck the rock around. Yeah. I was so impressed. I mean, he was launching them and dropping them into the end zone from. From everywhere they, they did. So I was really impressed with him, at least pregame. Yeah. Big arm. He does have a big arm. And then, uh, so something made me feel good. I, I get a little sappy here. Um, Aaron, but, um, actually, so I had the chance to meet Aaron's family this weekend, which made me feel good. I know <laughs> I like, I feel like we talk like a hundred times a day, but, um, you know, I rarely even really get a chance to see you. So it was nice to see your family in town, um, at the game at Kroger Field. And I know we'll have a little different perspective today too. Because you went to the game as a fan with your family. I was covering from the press box. And then I'm hoping maybe later this week, we're going to try to catch up with Justin Jeffries, um, who unfortunately had a wedding to go to. So he actually had to watch it, um, like, you know, secondhand. So I'm, I'm excited to talk to everybody and kind of see the emotions that, um, they went through, but I was hyped to meet your family, man. That was really cool. I appreciate that. And yeah, they, you know,
0: <laughs> they really enjoyed the atmosphere. It was hard not to. And, um, they got. I mean, my brother kept telling me all week, "Oh, you're gonna get killed." I'm like, "You don't understand what's changed." And you know, he was getting shocked. And I told him and then he said, "Going to the fourth quarter, wow, they're gonna win." And I said, "Don't say that because yeah. <laughs> I remember the last time I was in. Uh, you know, I I was a freshman student in the student section my freshman year when they played Florida then, and we know how that game <laughs> ended, and it felt all too familiar, but." At the end of the day, that I mean, that means a lot to me. I appreciate that, and um, yeah, the atmosphere was still top notch, so they had a great time. It was yeah. Good they picked a good one them. to come to, that's for sure. Doesn't get better than that, absolutely, absolutely. All right,
1: what do you got, Aaron, for their in the in my feelings segment
0: this week? Yeah. So it pissed me off in general. I'm not even talking UK; that's part of it, but football just pissed me off this weekend. Um, I'm a diehard New York Giants fan. They're terrible. My fantasy team, Drew Brees, out. Deshaun Jackson gets hurt. Uh, brutal loss because of that. And then, obviously, the UK game could have gone a lot better. So not thrilled about that one, obviously. Um My little bit of bias there. But um football was not – it just wasn't a good football weekend. It really wasn't. And it's not like any teams that I dislike lost either. <laughs> so – not the greatest football weekend. That would be my, uh, negative, but on the positive, um, (laughs) I don't want to have the same answer, but it was, that was what I had is it was just good to have my family in town, obviously being from Connecticut. Um, I don't get them here in in Lexington often. So just having my dad and brother here for a weekend was good. Um, always good catching up with them, showing them around more and more every time. And, um, good to get a little bit of a break. I appreciate you covering me this weekend in the press box. And, uh, get a little break with them and have a little different perspective of the game wasn't bad either.
1: Yeah, no, That's what I was kind of interested to talk to you. I know that it, it, there's such a big difference, you know, from covering the game in the press box and that bird's eye view where it's really quiet to actually being down there. Yeah. I traveled down to the field for the last um, five to seven minutes of the game or so. and uh, The atmosphere was great, man. Everybody was standing. Oh, my God. And- yeah. What about Aaron? So let me ask you this. Let's just go ahead and we'll, we'll kind of get into the football game. So <laughs> my biggest takeaway, I think, was that loss stung, absolutely. But can you imagine <laughs> yeah. had Kentucky not broken the streak last year and then lost right. the way that they did on Saturday? Is that the worst loss in Kentucky football history from, like, an emotional standpoint? I would think it. it's up there. It's
0: definitely up there. I I, I still think the game two years ago was worse because you had a 13-point lead, first of all. The streak was still ongoing. I guess you're right. It would have still had both, but you knew the streak was still going, and it was right there in front of you. The riot police were on the field, ready for the field to just explode, and you lose the game because you forget to cover somebody, and Mm -hmm. you also lose the game. But I mean, they never should have gotten that situation, but if you recall... Benny Snell had a run that set them up in chip shot range for Austin McGinnis, arguably the best kicker and definitely the best kicker in UK history, maybe the, one of the best kickers in SEC history. And it got taken back for a questionable holding call. So there was just a lot. That game was just painful because it was just right there. And this one was too, don't get me wrong. But this game to me was a little less painful than the one two years ago because of the fact one, you knew the secondary is already young and experienced, and they just got straight-up beat because you already lost Corker. You lose Dots into do an injury, and Florida's Florida. They got great players, and you know what? They were going to get theirs. <laughs> they were going to so score eventually, so I understood that. Obviously, um, there were some plays that Kentucky could have executed better, so it kind of felt more like this was U.K.'s fault, and obviously it was their fault with the missed coverage two years ago, but there was also other factors to in that. And I know we'll get into the targeting calls and everything, but at the end of the day, UK let this one slip away and they have no one else to blame.
1: Yeah, that's the tough part, man, is that Kentucky was the better team on Saturday. Every every oh, no aspect doubt. of the game, you know, they they outplayed them. It wasn't like, you know, one of the previous situations and you know, during the last, you know, thirty-five years of playing the University of Florida where Kentucky had an opportunity to win due to certain circumstances. Maybe you know guys playing out of their mind, whatever. Kentucky was the better team, and that's just what. um, Go ahead. That's three
0: years in a a row they've been the better team. Because two years ago, Florida, remember, they beat us, but they only won four games. So,
1: (laughs) yeah. Go on. And then (laughs) I I went. Yeah, it's all good. I went on a. I I did a segment on my buddy Phil Baker's show yesterday on um, the Sunday morning hangover on ESPN six eighty. And I woke up Sunday morning to do that. And like, it's just so frustrating, man, because it's not like college basketball where it's like, whatever that, that's going to be, you know, in college basketball, you know, what we'd be doing, we'd be spending this as a positive. You know what? This is a good thing, man. They proved that they, they can learn play at that it. level. Yeah. And they're going to learn from it. They're going to remember this come March, but college football is not the same way, man. And it stings because nah. no matter how you present it, ultimately that game losing that game did. You know, take away from what the season can be, and it can still be a great sure. season. Kentucky can still win nine games, but you know, if they do, we're just going to say, "Oh, they should have won 10. So it's tough. And again, I just mentioned I haven't looked into it a lot, but I saw a couple headlines today where I'm um, Kentucky actually moved up a little bit in some bowl projections. So it's it's weird too, Aaron, because like we did yeah. our we did tons of pre preseason stuff where we all gave our predictions. Very very few people, neither of us predicted Florida to win that game. And But now the way that Kentucky lost it, it almost feels like they lost it like five times.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it was just brutal. I mean, it, it doesn't get much worse than that. And I think, you know, you see the – I saw an outback bull projection today, which would be pretty sweet. But um I think that's because they proved, again, like they're right there with a the Florida. And obviously Florida, um, respect to them because they're an outstanding program. They're one of the most historic in college football. That's undoubtable, undeniable – I know Kentucky fans might not like them, but it's an undeniable fact. They're a great program. They're a very successful program. And they, though they've been down recently, Dan Mullen is building it back up. They're ranked number nine in the country, or I think they stayed nine and disagree with it or agree with it. that That's what they are. They're a top-ten team on paper, at least. And Kentucky hung with them. Really, they were beating them. <laughs> they were beating them for – 95% of that football game and they should have beat them for a third straight year, not just one out of three. So I think you finally, even though they didn't win the game, they're getting the respect of, Hey, they're right there. Like they are so close to catching them. And it's unfortunate that they couldn't get the job done because then you're looking even higher. But at, at this point, I mean, the way, the way they played, if they can correct the few things that cost them that game and, you know, get on the right side of some calls. I mean, other than Georgia, I'm not seeing any game on the schedule as impossible.
1: Yeah, the the more the deeper in the weeks we get of this college football season, just the more apparent of how easy Kentucky schedule truthfully is to play in the SEC. But I wanted to ask you this though, And I was filling out my poll um thing at the end of this on Sunday for SB Nation. What would you have ranked Kentucky had they beaten Florida on Saturday? Where would you have had them yeah. placed? Would they have been in the top, your top twenty-five? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I I agree that they shouldn't be in it after the loss just because of what happened. But I, I probably would have had them get in there around the twenty-one to twenty-four range. Um, I think it's fair that Arizona State got put in starting three and zero. They just beat Michigan State a second straight year um u-dub obviously one of the favorites in the pac 12 but i still in virginia they've been awesome so they deserve it too but i probably would have put uk ahead of cal and tcu who are there at the bottom uh the top 25 so i'd probably be looking 23 i'd say like 23 24
1: ish like sneaking in but in gotcha yeah i was gonna homer it i was gonna put them in the high teens <laughs> but uh, my <laughs> point about my point about that was it, it's frustrating too like going back to just like the dynamics of college football that if Kentucky had beaten Ford on Saturday, like it's just so frustrating how those preseason rankings are set up because had they been higher in the preseason, you know, if they would have been 26, 27, 28 um, in the preseason, which now kind of looking, maybe that's kind of where they're at potentially, you know, then they jump up, who knows, maybe they, you know, they crack the top 15. Um, But it's just so much predicated on the view of your team before the season even starts. So Obviously, yeah. it didn't come into play at all, so who cares? But just in general, I'm just obviously a pretty scorned person.
0: Yeah, and it's, as a fan, it's hard not to be scorned, but and it was a crappy loss. There's no way around it. It, it sucked on all levels, and they deserved to lose at the end of the day because of how they played at the end, despite the fact they were the better team. Um, but you know what? There's a lot of season left, and... Unlike last time they had this loss to Florida, they can't dwell on it. Cause if you remember, I forgot which journalist made the point at, uh, Stoops's press conference today, but after the loss to Florida two years ago, they were not the same team. They almost lost The next week they h- had a hangover effect and almost lost to Eastern Michigan. Um, they got a win over Mizzou, but then they went on and lost a bunch at the end of the year. So they started five and one and ended seven and three and they are, I'm sorry, seven and six. So. You can't let that happen. You got And These move next on. two
1: games are just so huge. critically important, yeah. and you know we we said that preseason yeah. too. That I thought no matter what, this two game stretch was going to really be a huge, Make huge, you know, yeah, you know, point in the season because they they only sure. have four road games. Ones at Vandy, you can all but chalk up at Georgia as a loss. So these are be- kind of what, yeah. you know the really the only two real I guess road games because the BBN will be packed in um, Nashville. So. I think they got, I mean, they had minimum need to split these games and we'll, we'll preview yeah. uh, Mississippi State a little bit, but at minimum split. And then if they go, you know, and they go and they win both, you know, awesome. But if, if they lose both, man, they're going to be on a, a three game skid and that is just going to be kind of just what you described and everything's going to be on a downward trajectory. But, um, sure. first though, man, we got to, um, on the Cats by 90 podcast here. If you're not following, please follow us on Twitter at Cats by 90. Um, but now, Aaron, I really think it's probably time to start peeling back some of this controversy, so I have a different yeah. take than most people, but um, what do you think just so the general consensus of people were just pissed at Eddie Grant, obviously that's not a new uh-huh. new thing with um the big blue nation, but specifically, I mean it really overflowed on Saturday just as far as taking the air out of the ball, kind of plan not to lose whatever coach speak you wanna. You want to throw on it, but what was your thoughts on just how Kentucky kind of managed that last quarter and specifically the last few drives? And what would you have done differently?
0: Oh, man. Uh, (laughs) you know, like you said, it's a lot to unpack. Uh, my, my gut reaction, obviously, the, the play that started the downward spiral was the fourth down and one to start the fourth quarter where they ran a wildcat with AJ Rose and it got stuffed. Now, after watching the replay and hearing Mark Stoops talk today, that play was, that's the offensive line's fault. If you look, there's a total missed assignment on a block, let a Florida player come in and just crush Rose. And if they make that block, you're looking at a four to five yard gain. However, I think I I understand that Stoops is going for the jugular. He was going for the knockout punch and I'm all for that. But with a 11 point lead, 15 minutes to go you have the best punter in the country, I would have pinned them deep. I really would have. I would have tried pinning them deep because even if Florida is somehow able to drive 98 yards down the field, it's unless they get, you know, some chunk plays, which were possible, but they didn't really get uh, until the end, obviously, in the garbage time. They didn't really have any of those long chunk plays that um, you even saw Eastern Michigan and Toledo make. So I would have punted them deep. 'Cause even if they somehow find the end zone from ninety plus, you're probably gonna chew a lot of clock and then you're in better shape to, you know, run the ball with smoke and run the ball the clock out a little more before either tacking on more points or punting one more time and giving the putting putting the game in the hands of your defense. So that was my take on that
1: one. I completely agree with like everything you just said, everything fans have been saying, media members about like those specific plays. But as like a general like whole, I just can't be fresh, or I guess I can be frustrated. But I can't blame the the loss on Eddie Grant and the coaching staff. Like a lot of people were, especially right yeah. after the game. I mean, Mark dupes was just getting absolutely torched online, and it's like to me, your Kentucky football, you have a you have what was it a thirty five yard field goal? You play yourself into yeah. a thirty five yard field goal to beat the Gators for the second time. It's hard right. for me to take issue with the coaches from that standpoint because. That field goal goes in, and I don't care what everybody's going to say, they're still going to be, um, you know, complaining and moaning about the way that the game was managed. But if that field goal goes in, man, almost all that, in my opinion, is going to be forgotten. And I, I just have a, a tough, tough time really pinning it on them when it almost worked, you know. I mean, you can't ask for a better yeah. option to beat mm-hmm. Florida, I mean. And then it goes back to last year too, Aaron. So I think kind of the general thing with it is that last season, Stoops played that way. And he would say, look, it won 10 games, didn't it? It works. The other mm-hmm. side would say, well, yeah, you had Benny Snell last year. I mean, it makes, sure. you know, so kind of doing that ground and pound, taking the air out of the ball, controlling the clock, controlling the field, but it, it is frustrating. And I think, um, Eddie Grant never gets to pass anymore. I know that, the, you know, there's wow. some people out that just will never, um, like him. Shout out to Jason Entz from A Sea of Blue. He, um, he's <laughs> not Eddie Grant's biggest fan. He actually asked Eddie Grant to, um, like, right? You know, I mean, directly. You know, we were in the the um the complex after the game doing interviews, and he asked him specifically about you know doing that and kind of the way that he managed the game. And he yeah. really, if I remember correctly, he he didn't really directly answer the question, but I do remember he was not thrilled um how that it was asked to him.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's
1: frustration
0: after the game. But I think honestly, I thought Eddie for the first three quarters called a really good game. I really did. Yes, he was getting praised all uh, everywhere. Right, and I'm not just saying that because you were up on the scoreboard. They were up on the scoreboard because he dialed up some damn good plays, and he put Sawyer in good situations, and for the most part, they executed. But, yeah, I think – I mean, we heard Mark Stoops say it today. He kind of laughed in the face, and, uh, you know, he he was pretty adamant the Wildcat isn't going anywhere, the Wildcat formation. But they don't really have – I mean, they haven't really tried it with Cavassier smoke. I think he would be fine. But A.J. Rose is a good player. He's just not a good fit for the Wildcat, in my opinion. And obviously, Lynn has struggled with it. So I would stop using him there. Maybe try it with Cavassier. I think Chris Rodriguez is... um, Obviously, we haven't seen him much after the two fumbles, but...
1: Yeah, he's, he's more smarter. of a downhill back, right? Exactly. I feel like he's the best yep. suited one for the Wildcat, and that—that's you know, what I was—I was seeing online only... and hearing from fans. Yeah, is that they only... wanted smoke. They wanted smoke in, in oh, the yeah. Wildcat in that possession, and I get it, but it's one yard, you know. I, I don't—I don't know that. I—I I don't know. It's just tough for me to look back, but regardless, was... the offense definitely has issues right now. Like Lim Bowden sure. can just not find space, and neither can AJ Rose really, right? Yeah, uh, I think
0: quickly on one more thing on that fourth and one is if you were going to go for it, I think the play was a quarterback sneak because Hoyer's tall, mm-hmm. he's long, he, and he proved he could do it in the end zone. Let him sneak it. Anyway, on, yeah, Lynn, I don't know what's going on with Lynn, to be honest with you. Uh Obviously, he's a special talent. Um It's just I don't know if defenses have prepared well for him. I don't know if he's a little off, just still getting back in the swing of things football wise. I know even, I know his freshman year took him a while to get going and he never really did. Last year he had the big game against Florida week two, but then, you know, you didn't really hear his name get called and mentioned until, you know, the Missouri game. He really broke out and he was solid, but he, you know, he wasn't some star. Even the Mississippi state game when they won big, you know, that game was Benny's game and they didn't have a passing touchdown all that anyway um but i think lynn's just in a slump he's still getting back into football mode and they need him to get going aj same thing i said on here and i've said to everybody um not sure why he's lowering his shoulder into contact because last year he was so successful at just outrunning the defense and getting to the outside because that's his strength as a runner he's a He's a fast guy. He's not a ground and pound back. He's a catch-me-if-you-can back, whereas Smoke can do a little bit of both, and that's probably why he's the better option to be the primary guy um, for the Cats right now. I think A.J. Rose – I've always been high and liked A.J. Rose as a player. That doesn't change at all. Um But I think he just needs to go – honestly, if I were him, I'd go watch the film of what was working last year because – he was such a good complimentary back to Benny, and if he goes back and watches that, I think it'll help. It probably is, but now nah, it's just a matter of execution.
1: It just really speaks to how special Lim Bowden is, too. When you talk about, yeah. we're just basically sitting here acting like he's just, you know, he's just not contributing to his ability whatsoever, and he still caught seven balls for seventy yards. So, yeah. I mean, if that's that's mediocre for him, you know, I just really hope that you know over the next <clears throat> few games, especially these two on the roads that they can just get him into some open space. And I know they're trying. I mean, they're, they're feeding him the ball and you would think too the emergence, the continued emergence of Ahmad Wagner would really support that theory of finding him some space, but it just hasn't happened yet. But I'll tell you what, though. I mean, Ahmad Wagner's a, a <laughs> develop it into that wide receiver one for Kentucky. If he's not already, because some of these plays here are making just absolutely unbelievable. But I will say though, that, um, unbelievable play but if that if his touchdown would have been called incomplete on the field it would have stood as incomplete I think that was one of those you couldn't really tell seemed like the ground might have helped a little bit so Kentucky was fortunate that that ball was called a touchdown on the field because I do not believe it would have been reversed if it was called incomplete
0: yeah and I agree with that I I do think it was a catch I didn't see anything that tells me otherwise but regardless hell of a hell of an effort hell of a play and Hell of a game by him. He's a really special talent and special player and they're going to keep feeding him the ball and they should. And like you said, maybe he is going to become, you know, the top guy, top option. And especially with Sawyer, who's more of a downfield guide, uh, that's your best friend. So good stuff from Wagner. Really impressive emergence of him this year. He's becoming an NFL caliber receiver in front of our eyes. And that's been a lot of fun to watch. And that's good for Lynn though. It takes some pressure off him and can get him focused in practice, and he's not going to draw doubles as much. And for Kentucky, that's good because when he, he's having trouble getting open already and you don't want him double-team.
1: Yeah, I think that he's going to have a breakout game. It's just kind of what he does. But um, yeah, before come. we unpack some more controversy, um, let's take a quick sponsor break here, and we'll be back in just one second. All right. And now we are back on the Cats by 90 podcast. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, again, I'm Drew Brown. You can follow me at Big Blue Drew 33 and my co-host, Aaron Gershon at a Gershon 99. Um, but I'm amazed, Aaron. So we're about 26 minutes into this bad boy, and we've yet to say the word "tar." I think you mentioned targeting once, yeah, I did. but we have not discussed it. So um, I woke up Sunday and said, I'm never even shopping at Target again. I just can't do it. it it's I, it's I burning live, me. I, but um, I
0: live in the same building as Target, so I have no
1: option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a wife and a kid, so I'm yeah, totally you know. bluffing about never going to Target. <laughs> Exactly. But uh, what was your thoughts, Aaron? So I know that that made me a ton more upset uh-huh. than the play calling and stuff that we talked sure. about. The first thing, I mean, it's just I'm totally on board with with Mark Stoops, and um, I definitely want to talk a little bit about the press conference because that obviously dominated kind of the bulk of that discussion. But just what was your take? What would you do differently? And um, how pissed off were you about the targeting impact?
0: Well, uh, the Corker one, I kind of was, I kind of understood. There wasn't really – I think if that's the rule, that's the rule. And they they got to clean the damn rule up. That's the problem here. I don't think Corker was intentionally leading with the helmet, but it was a call where I understood it, and I accepted it. As for the one – even the Florida one that got called was close. And I don't know about it. I think it's similar to Corker's where I understood it. This is the one where – um, I forget the name of the defensive back, but it was against Ahmad Wagner, but I understood it. And at the time I was, you know, I wasn't mad about it because it did go against UK, but, uh, being neutral here, I, I, it's still something with the rules got to change. The one, um, obviously that brought the most chaos and I can't believe got called was the one on TJ Carter where pretty much mm-hmm. it seemed like he was just trying to push, um, trash to the ground uh tough quarterback to bring down and he was trying to bring him down I didn't see anything malicious it kind of just looked like the helmets touched it wasn't that he was bringing him down by it so brutal Yeah, and the issue with that one
1: is Aaron too I mean if you watch that and I have a, a couple of pictures of that maybe I'll post them to the to the Twitter page other people have just as good or better pictures but the issue with that one with TJ Carter was his head didn't move. The quarter no. trash heads, the one that moved from Florida. So it's like at what point do you. I mean, he's, the, he was just trying to break
0: out of it. And that's the yeah, way he did everything moved. he
1: was supposed to do. Everything he was supposed to do. He had his head up, his shoulders were square, and he just so happened to make contact with the guy's helmet. And I thought for sure on that one, man, I was in Kroger field. I was on the field by that point. I was very close to that play. And, um, Watching it live, watching the replay in Kroger Field, I thought for sure that that one was going to be overturned, that they were going to say that you know there was nothing really avoidable as far as the defender. But, again, back to your point, it's hard for me to get mad at the referees because they're not looking at this replay going, oh, I want to screw Kentucky. You know, it's just they're following the rule the way that they're instructed yeah. to follow it. And essentially at this point, it just seems like any helmets touch in any type of violent manner, that it's going to go on the defense as targeting. And they're going to have to figure it out because if that's the case, there's offensive targeting could be caught all the time. You mean to tell me running backs aren't lowering their heads and crushing guys in the face mask and stuff like that? Right. So it, the rule sucks, and it really is just they got to clean it so up. So annoying, man, that that it cost the Kentucky the game because it did. And yeah. I'm never the type of person either that's like, oh, one player, one call really cost them the game because you know you can look back at so many things. This game, obviously, the field goal, but there's no other way to put it, man. uh, If they don't call that targeting, the Kentucky wins that football game. The game's basically over.
0: Yeah, and I'd say probably win the game. Definitely a much higher chance. I I think it might be a little too far to say they definitely win it because you never know. That quarterback, give give Florida's quarterback, Kyle Trask, credit. He's a hell of a player, and he 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 played a really good, sharp game, and I think Kentucky might not have been prepared. Obviously, they're preparing for Franks but he he put together a great game uh give him credit but um yeah that's hard and call didn't help that's for sure you lose 15 yards there um that gives florida all the momentum they drive down the field obviously before that you already had the pass interference on Mosley, the young safety which was the right call um just you know a young kid trying to make a play and you know the hand check got it there no doubt that was the right call but that was brutal. It really, it really, really was brutal. And like Mark Stoops put it after the game, you hate to see laundry on the field, you know, affecting mm-hmm. the game like that. You really do. And I don't, like I said, they, the Kentucky shot themselves in the foot and they're, they got to blame themselves first and foremost for the loss. But that certainly was a huge uh, percentage of it right there.
1: Yeah. And then so, so Mark Stoops, obviously the reporters were doing their job in the post game. You know, he took a while to get in there. Yeah. His family was all in there. Actually, I don't know if that was his dad or somebody was in there. I, I'm just assuming he was related to him. I thought they kind of looked alike. And then his wife was in there next to Mitch Barnhart. So def, I mean, you knew going in, I, I said, as soon as the, you know, the, the field goal was missed, like, wow, this is going to be a pretty uh, contentious press conference here. It's going to be oh, so, yeah. Some high volatility in there. And again, the reporters did everything they were supposed to do. They asked a lot about targeting in different ways. Mark Stoops was very cordial about it. He basically kept saying, listen, there's no, there's no winning in me answering this question. You know, kind of read between the lines. You know what I want to say? I can't say it. Uh, he was
0: much more comical today. I'll tell you that because he only got asked once. I think the reporters just gave him a break. Uh, obviously now the focus is on Mississippi state. And his answer today, when asked about the targeting, was very simply said, uh, it, I think the question was from John Hale. He asked him, Is there any other comments you had on targeting? He said, No, I don't want to part with 50,000.
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw that. So, That's great. And so, he he all but said that on Saturday. He was really, yeah. and then so I don't know if you saw Aaron Two, where it's no, kind of the. Was no, not
0: laughing of, on Saturday. So today we got the laugh.
1: No, not at all. Yeah, yeah, that was a great answer by him today, but on Saturday it kind of got reported that and it did. I mean, he did abruptly leave his press conference, but providing some context to that um essentially he he was the one that decided to leave. It wasn't like he was mad at a reporter or mad at anything yeah. other than he was just yeah. trying to catch himself from not saying something that he regretted um yeah. and probably getting that fine. So he just kind of <laughs> it was on the tip of his tongue and on rather than say it, he popped up and and bounced out of there, which I, yeah. yeah, exactly. You can't blame him because 50 G's is 50 G's. And he said it right. himself, you know, it was just a no win for him to comment. But, right. you know, he did say multiple times he doesn't know what to tell his guys to do. What is he supposed to tell them to do? You know, you look back at the film. I mean, how do you coach TJ Carter around that? There's nothing really he could have done differently, which is what makes it so difficult. And it right. wasn't just Kentucky. We saw this targeting call even in the NFL um yesterday and stuff. It's just it's just an epidemic with football I mean, in general. It, it, and it, 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 all for and, safety,
0: it went from both ways because that Florida one on Wagner was questionable. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it sucks. It really sucks, and they got to get it together because it's not fair. And you also lose a player for the first half. If they commit the penalty in the second half, you lose them for the first half of the next game. So now Kentucky's going to be playing without TJ Carter, and luckily um, Looney, the backup for him, really stepped up and played a good game. So they should be just fine, but someone to lose a TJ Carter for a quote uh, half over really just yeah. not n- total nonsense.
1: That's what is the most ridiculous part about this all to me is the ejections that are warranted. When this happens, it's like, okay, if you're going to call a personal foul, give them 15 yards or whatever. To me, the, a good start with the rule change would be if there's not identifiable malicious, or like reckless intent, maybe be a good way to put it. Then there shouldn't be ejections. If it's like an, because it's, targeting is what you're basically calling when helmets touch yep. you know what i mean so if helmets are right. going to touch and that's i find it's just hard to believe with these division one caliber athletes and nfl players that you're going to play football and your helmets aren't going to touch so if you're going to toss dudes for that i just feel like there has to be some type of identifiable like hey yeah. man you were just flying across the field like a missile with no regard for what you were doing you're out of the game not hey your helmets accidentally touched we're gonna give your team a penalty and you're thrown out of the game. It's just it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's a really good point. And I want to give the person credit, but I, I I don't know who said it on Twitter, but someone came up with the idea of having a in an in an unintentional targeting foul, which would keep the player in the game and it would still be. I don't think it was. A, I think it was like a five or ten yard penalty, and then you have intentional targeting. You know, where the whole whole our deal ideal, where the whole ordeal is because yeah at the end of the day you do football has evolved and people are stronger and you have to protect players um the cte issue is very real it's very serious people are dying young having issues that stay with them for life and for playing a sport that is your professional career and how you make money you shouldn't have to deal with it so i get it but you also just can't take the game away and make it flag football because (laughs) then no one's going to know how to play and it's just going to turn into more people pissed off at each other. And I'm all for safety, but they got to just, they got to figure it out. It's simple as that. There's not much more to say other than they got to figure this shit out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I I don't know that, you know, we're the best guys to hash it out. I'm assuming that because there is going to be, and I probably haven't aired on the more of the side of safety, which I probably should, but there has to be some common ground because it's just not fair man the level of these football games to, to be decided the way that it was, but um another play that we actually talked about a little bit um before we jumped on Aaron that I was kind of late to the party on I was just seeing some of this stuff this afternoon but I know it's been kind of talked about all weekend but what were your thoughts on the cash Daniel play in the pile with um the backup quarterback Trask and well I guess one do you think that that was kind of a malicious dirty play and two do you think he's gonna face any repercussions?
0: I don't think he'll face any repercussions because I feel like that would have come out by now. Um, I feel So like- real
1: quick before you go on there, Dan Mullen yeah. did say um, at his press conference today that he, um, he addressed that play. He said that he or the, the university did not send the tape to the league office like requesting it to be reviewed, but just something along the lines of that type of play, he hoped that it would be reviewed. So I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it's tough. Um it, it doesn't, didn't look good. Obviously, I don't want to speak for Cash. At the end of the day, he's the only one that knows. He'll, he'll obviously probably say it was nothing. Uh, all I'll say is it didn't look good, and I hope that it, it didn't look like what I saw because what, what I saw looked like a dirty play that deserves a long suspension. Um, but let's just hope it's not that because I like Cash a lot. He's, played, he's played, had a really good season so far. Um, he's obviously the most passionate guy in recent memory at this program, and I, I just hope, <laughs> I really hope for UK's sake and his sake that it wasn't intentional, but it wasn't a good look.
1: Yeah, and you know, when you kind of carry yourself the way that Cash General does, I mean, we've seen his antics. He really chilled out this week in the, the meet at midfield with the captains. But, you know, you're going to get scrutinized a little harder when something like this comes up. When you present yourself the way that he does, there's just no yeah. other way around it. And, you know, looking at it, if nothing else, he was definitely frustrated as he got up and kind of yanked his arm away. But, um, the kind of the, the, the funny part about it, I guess to me is kind of that it looked like he was kind of doing like a, an ankle lock and he, he's so, um, into wrestling, you know, he's a yeah. big wrestling guy. So I kind of just I'm hoping that because the one thing you can definitely say is I think the video overall is inconclusive. You could argue it either way. Um, I know a lot of Kentucky's fans point of view is that his arm was kind of being held down by an offensive lineman and he kind of jerked it away, which that's very well what could have happened. It's really hard for me to be conclusive. But again, and I've talked to you about this before the season started, Aaron, I think that players like Cash Daniel and Lynn Bowden, their emotion is like the greatest facet of their game. It's what makes them who they are but it does worry me a little bit with um, it potentially costing Kentucky at, at some point, um, especially Cash, man, because I love him. He's he's like my favorite. Him busting yeah. up and smashing somebody on the first play of that game was like everything to me. It was awesome. It was but awesome. He does have to really learn to control his emotions, especially now because all eyes are going to be on him from an officiating standpoint. And, you know, guys are going to be kind of maybe trying to push his buttons a little bit too because he seems like a guy that if you push his buttons and, he's probably going to try to smash your face in.
0: I agree with you. And there's playing hard and then there's, you know, taking it too far. So hopefully he can get his emotions in check and uh, stay on the field because UK needs them in and out, in, on and off the field. And he, he's a really good football player. simple as that,
1: um, Say what you want about it Yeah, he speed. led Kentucky with uh, I think eleven yeah. tackles. Um there were like ten solo. I just right. had that pulled up. It was pretty a, unbelievable game yeah. for him. See say what you want
0: about his speed or lack thereof, but he's a hell of a football player. He's in my opinion, uh probably MLB uh MLB NFL bound. So um yeah, hopefully you can just keep it in check and nothing comes of that. Uh obviously don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. Uh, Just from my observation, it, it did look dirty, but I'm hoping there was no intent.
1: Yeah, I guess um, I don't know if it, it, again, I haven't even followed it too much today. I didn't even realize that was such a thing until like early this morning. Yeah, so either. hopefully nothing comes about it kind of, you know, maybe if nothing else. You know, is a good indication for him to you know kind of throttle that emotion a little bit, but yeah, he had ten tackles on Saturday, nine solo, one tackle for a loss, a pass uh, breakup, and a one QB hurry. So he yeah. was all over the field, and he was he's such a monster. So he was upstanding. He really represents hard nosed Kentucky football. So I like yep. that, and I ho- hopefully he can continue to lead the defense and and they um, they tear it up down in Starkville, which is a good segue because that's where the cats is are headed. I'm gonna be traveling down there too, so. Four o'clock Saturday, um, Kentucky heads to Mississippi State, and the Bulldogs are actually coming off of a um, pretty depressing home loss themselves sure. yeah. to Kansas State, where, where they kind of lost in a shootout. But I read a few articles on that game, and I didn't, I didn't um, watch the game, but I, I actually did watch the first half um, before I headed to Lexington. Yeah, I think that hit. was on at noon, but I did as well. But anyway, the the gist of what I was reading was basically that um, I think they lost 31 to 24, but that the Correct. score really didn't indicate the fact that um, MSU apparently pretty much got handled on both sides of the ball in the line of scrimmage and and really were um overpowered by Kansas State. So not a good um, week for them, especially when you factor in that it seems like they're having um, quarterback issues as well, only not stemming from injury. They're just having a straight-up controversy on who's better, mm-hmm. either their senior quarterback, Tommy Stevens, um, or the freshman they went with them to end the game, uh, yeah, Garrett right. Schrader. So yeah, they're kind of in shambles down there. So yeah. th- things are set up well for Kentucky to go down there and pick up a road win.
0: Yeah, and uh, they're a pretty good football team. But like you said, the quarterback issue, Stevens, is the um, transfer from Penn State, who Kentucky wanted, if you remember. They tried to get him pretty hard before they landed Sawyer. But um, he hasn't played great. 65% completion rating is pretty good, but – Uh, I believe he's thrown two picks. He had the fumble last week. Um, So, obviously, quarterback controversy. Schrader came in and played. Let's see how he
1: played last week.
0: Uh, um, Not good. Not good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, his percentage was really low. But before we even talk about him anymore, did you see that that was the most, like, unbelievable vicious hit I've ever seen oh, that helicopter wow. hit on Garrett. Yeah, he had perfect. to have been eight feet off the ground like minimum. That was it unreal. Was like, I've watched it like a hundred times. It was like a freaking roller coaster. It was something else. But. <laughs> it was. I mean yeah. I've never props to him for just straight up getting up because that was nuts. Yep. Um let me see what he did last week. I just I just yeah, I yeah, wrote yeah. about this the other it day. No, was, I think he wanna say it was four for twelve. Yeah. It was Let's four see. for twelve. You're totally right. But
0: you know, end of the, end of the day, he's a mobile guy, so that could play well for them. Kentucky struggles with mobile quarterbacks. Uh, the guy to keep your eye on for the Bulldogs, is, of course, Kylan Hill, the running back, yeah. uh, 431 hard yards hard. this season. Uh, he ranks third of any running back in the nation, top in the SEC. Only Oklahoma State's Chubba Howard and UNLV's Charles Williams rank ahead of him. So hell of a back we saw. Yeah, him he's a monster. He a monster. They gave
1: him, they fed him. 24 times yeah. on Saturday for 111 yeah. yards. and Yeah, he's definitely a guy that is, you know, he's the, sh- the straw that stirs their drink yep. and stuff, man. He's really good. So yeah. Kentucky's seen that before. So who do you think starts on Saturday uh, for the quarterback? I, I'd guess Stevens still, and they'd probably
0: go to Schrader um, if Stevens fails. But I think that might light a spark in him that he got benched. Um, I think they're a dangerous opponent, uh, especially in Starkville. I don't think this is any yeah. sort of push over um i would take both quarterbacks very seriously and prepare for both equally but my my gut tells me stevens is going to get the nod
1: yeah i would think so i mean with him having the experience and schrader not playing particularly yep. well on saturday but it'll it, be interesting i said i mean an sec road game is going to be a challenge and uh man this is just I, i'm not going to call it a must win but if kentucky loses on saturday um that, i know Aaron, traveling to Carolina, Columbia, and that will be a must yeah. win Agreed. Yeah, Agreed. so this game's important from, from that aspect. And um, I didn't hear, I didn't really see any notes or anything. I'll have to do some research tonight on Mississippi State's Monday press conference to see if they talked at all yeah. or made they any announcement as far it, as the I'm depth chart. I'm pretty sure it's
0: later tonight. So we'll, okay. on. we'll circle we'll, yeah, right, we'll for the game. That. And, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a good game. I think I haven't put together a prediction yet. I know I said loss during the preseason, but that was before Mississippi State's looked vulnerable. So We'll see. It's going to be a grudge match, and it ain't going to be easy with those uh, cowbells ringing, as Mark Stoops said today. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah, they had as fifty-five
1: thousand people there yeah. on Saturday. It'll so be, I'm excited, though, man. I'm going. There, this I'm uh, I'm excited to go. I wish it was a night game. It's going to be hot as hell in Mississippi <laughs> for a four p.m. kickoff. I think. I guess it's three here, though. Three, three, three. three down there, or four up here. Oh, got it. Right, right. Okay. So, I'm excited, though. I hope Kentucky goes out and really uses Florida as a kind of a catapult to as just emotion and just fuel for the rest of the season. That's right. Flip. Yes. I mean, and it does kind of feel like that, doesn't it? It just feels like these next two games either Kentucky's just going to like shoot up and really just, you know, come together as a team and really show what a force they are, or things are really going to digress. I'm just, I'm finding a hard time finding any middle ground. I really think these next two games are gonna say a ton and, and really pretty much make or break the season oh, yeah. holistically. Yeah, I
0: think so. I think it's the difference between playing in the you know, the Liberty Bowl or playing in maybe the Outback or I mean, I guess you take mm-hmm. the belt bowl over anything, you're not gonna get the Sixers Bowl again. And for being real, this is not a in my opinion, a New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Bowl team. This is a, you know, respectable outback type bowl team. So, if they, you know, work best case scenario. So we'll see. Obviously, huge two game stretch. At minimum, you'd like to see them. I think it's. I think it would be a more impressive win if they can get the win in Starkville. But more expected for them to lose. I think South Carolina would be the game. You have to win that game. You have to win that
1: game. Oh my just, gosh, we didn't even. We should have um, led with this too, Aaron. Like I was blown away. Mississippi State opened as an eight-and-a-half-point yeah. favorite. That was bizarre to, to me. I, I didn't understand to, It's
0: already up to 10, I'm pretty sure. Um,
1: Seriously, what am yeah. I missing here? I thought that spread would have missing. opened
0: up at like three. Yeah, You're not missing anything. It's it's very uh, <laughs> very debatable, to say the least. Very debatable. So put some
1: money on the Cats by 90, then. That's what you're saying. Uh,
0: I, I, yeah, I mean,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, I, I have Mississippi State winning, but not by that much.
1: I really don't. Yeah, 10? I mean, that's a, hu- no that's a huge spread no for – two teams that are two and one and it's, you know
0: it's, it's disrespectful it really is the uk's used to it though
1: yeah but then again i say that and i oh this I, this should have been what pissed me off too i should have snuck this in there just standing you know that game was just so bizarre on saturday who would have thought the last five minutes would shake down like they did with kentucky missing the field goal and then florida breaking off that long run and then yeah be damned if it didn't hit the Vegas spread almost on the nose, man, yeah. it, it is just unbelievable. Every time that they're able to do that, when yeah, they get lucky, six minutes left in the fourth quarter, you never would have thought that um it would have ended up being Florida. You know, by eight or so, you thought it would have either been closer, um, and probably Kentucky winning, especially when they were kicking the field goal. So Vegas knows that. I guess that worries me a little when I see the spread for <laughs> Mississippi State, but ten points just seems absolutely uh, insane. I think that one's all. I
0: think it's uh, that one's just disrespectful because. You know Kentucky has looked good for the most part, and Mississippi state I think Kentucky is overachieved as holistically while Mississippi state is underachieved holistically, so I think it's pretty mm-hmm. wrong, but you know the Kentuckys you just got to go out and prove it that that that's what you have to do there's no there's no other way around it you just got to go out and prove it with your playing football that's what they always say, and that's what they were able to do last year and now. It's time to do it this year. They weren't able to get the job done last weekend. We'll see if it's different.
1: Yep, and we'll we'll just have a few days, and we'll find out. And uh, so Justin Jeffries, former offensive lineman for the University of Kentucky that's um joined us before. He did text me while we were recording. <laughs> And mentioned that um he'll be free later in the week. did not get him on tonight, so I think maybe we'll try like a Thursday or something because That's He I've heard him multiple times talk about playing on the road in Starkville. He hates that yeah. place, and he w- he and hates the cowbills. Side
0: note, that was the last time they played. Uh, he was on that team of 0- 08. So yep. But I'll let you run. He's had
1: some he's had some big wins. So we'll yeah. uh, we'll get him on air, and I appreciate you. Thanks everybody yeah. for listening. And know um, we will talk to everybody soon. Thanks for listening.
0: Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at agershon99 and at bigbluedrew33. And remember, no matter
1: the opponent, it's always Cats by 90.